0: you're listening to the Moms Working Overtime Podcast, the community of women you've been searching to find for so long. We bring together our mamas in waiting, brand new moms, stay-at-home moms, working moms, and the moms who maybe just have a little bit more experience than the rest of us. We're all here for community support and finding ways to show up better for our families each and every day. I'm so grateful that you're here and I hope you love what you find on today's episode. Welcome back to the Moms Working Overtime podcast for what you know is my absolute favorite part of our podcast series, our Thursday interviews. And just like any other week, I've grabbed another incredible mama to share her experiences, relate to all of you, and help you through these different seasons of motherhood that we all go through. And today's a really special episode because we have some extra strong mamas in the listening audience that I know have gone through some really stormy seasons of motherhood and have really been challenged to grow and are continuously challenged when it comes to being a mom, whether that is going through a divorce or mastering single motherhood, even just going through any challenges with your kids when you feel like you're on an island. I know there's going to be some relatability here. So I've brought on to the podcast today, my sweet friend, Meg LaFerrella. Meg, welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. This is so amazing. And I just can't wait to dig into all the good stuff.
0: I'm just so appreciative of you. Meg knows she saved my butt through the chaos of motherhood and just keeping my head above water with Lena being here. Y'all, you got to lean on your people sometimes. Meg, Meg's letting me lean on her today. But Meg, before we get started, I know we have just so many amazing questions for you today. Can you share with the audience a little bit about you and just, you know, yourself and your motherhood journey so far?
1: Yes. So I am Meg. I have two little boys, Beau, who is four. He'll be five this year. I can't believe it. And then Granger, who is two. So I have a little bit of a different story. I feel, you know, I I was a young mom. I became a mom with Beau when I was 22 years old. So, you know, that made me grow up quick. I had Granger at 25 then. I have awesome just like birth experiences with both of them too. Like Bo was more of the hospital and, and you know, got the epidural and did all that. And then Granger was an at-home birth. So it was like a complete 180. So, but over the course of just becoming a mom, you know, with all the struggles with how hard it is on a day-to-day basis, like I just fall more and more in love with it. And I think I struggle sometimes with feeling inadequate to be a mom, but then I they always remind me that I was like, perfectly made for them, you know, and I'm just so grateful as we continue this journey, you know, together to watch them grow, watch them become young, young men and just lead them down the best path that I know. So
0: what you're saying reminds me of, you see it on social media, the the posts that say, you know, my firstborn, we grew up together. Like I grew up as much as they were growing up. And that just makes me think of that, just all the different seasons that you go through. But I love it. And and I know that that gives you a lot of great insight for what you're going to talk about and share today. So let's get started with my classic question. All my mamas get the same question when they come on the MWO podcast to start. So Meg, who were you before you were a mom? But also tied to that, are you the kind of mom that you thought you would be? Yeah.
1: So who I was before I had my kids, I was young, you know, like I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, who I was. And then we all know when we become moms, then we have to do that all over again. (laughs) Like our whole identity just changes, you know, but before I, you know, had my kids, I would argue that I was like really lost in myself. You know, like I didn't have control over my emotions. Um, you know, I I wasn't, a stable person to be able to, you know, have a really like healthy relationship. Like I, I just really struggled mentally. And I think a lot of that just stems from, you know, losing my dad when I was 15 and like doing the work and I was brand new to like the self-development world. And so, you know, I think I was really lost in figuring out who I was and what I wanted. I had this intuition though of like, I knew I had big dreams on my heart. I knew I wanted to help people. I want to have a massive impact. Ever since I was a little girl, I wanted to be a mom and a wife. And that's still like my biggest desire. But, you know, thinking of like the mom that I am now, I think in some aspects I am uh, the mom that I expected to be. But I think a lot of times, you know, especially when we're pregnant with our first, we think of all the exciting times. We think of like Christmas morning and all the memories we're going to make and watching our kids play sports. And we don't think about the nitty gritty of what it takes to be a mom. So I think that that really shocked me. And I think that that was extremely hard for me. And when I had my first son, I struggled so bad with postpartum anxiety, like really bad. I would never wish that upon any mama, but I struggled so hard because I I didn't understand what my purpose was outside of just being a mom. So, But outside of that, I think I I do like in the aspect of like, I will always make sure my boys know that I believe in them and support them a hundred percent. I never want them to feel like they're in a box for me, that they have to people please, that they have to hide parts of them that they love about themselves or that they're curious about. You know, I I just want to embrace them for who they are and the things they want to try. And when they mess up, have honest conversations with them and lead them down, you know, the right path and allow it to be a lesson learned. But for them to just never feel like they have to be in a box or act a certain way around me, I'm always going to embrace the authenticity about them. And I always knew that was the type of mom I was going to be based off, you know, the way I grew up. I I wanted different for my kids. So I think that yes, but I also didn't expect like the nitty gritty and what it took to actually, you know, be a mom 24 seven around the clock.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I love so much of that. I don't even know where to start on responding to that, Meg. You're, you're <laughs> talking in, and, and this is, you know, I'm trying to be better about active listening, but in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I want to make sure I point that out. That's amazing. I want to point that out. I think the overarching concept, okay, just hearing what you're saying here about motherhood is. Even in the beautiful moments, the coolest thing that I I heard you say is that even the beautiful moments are hard work. (laughs) And I think that's so relatable. It makes me think of Christmas Eve. We did a Christmas episode, actually, just talking about the mom behind Christmas magic and how... Christmas looks beautiful to everyone else, but behind the scenes, mom is like drenched in sweat, crying, (laughs) watching the budget, double checking the list over and over and over again. It's ugly on our side, but it's beautiful (laughs) for everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. It's like 2 a.m. Just
1: stressed out.
0: (laughs) That's motherhood. I had a power drill in my hand at midnight on Christmas Eve. like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we just do the things, but no, I, I do. I love it. And I love that you also are being really intentional about letting them just be who they are. I think that's hard. I like to be in control. I don't know about you, but yeah. I think that that's going to be difficult for me to just embrace any path that they choose, even if it's not what I envisioned.
1: I think that's too, because, you know, out of me and my brothers, I was the like oddball per se, you know, like <laughs> I, I didn't finish college, which I knew, you know, my grandparents wanted otherwise for me. I got the tattoos. I changed my hair. I went short my hair. I shaved the back of my head like the low half. And I don't even know why, you know, I was just, I always was curious and I always loved being different. And I just was kind of like a rebel in that sense. And so mm-hmm. but I also have felt shame in that. And, you know, from people that I love, and I know that they love me and they want the best for me, but, you know, it did come off to me in a way that like, I had to be small around them or play small around them, and I didn't like that. And I hated yes. the way it made me feel. And so, like, if Bo comes home and he's like, "Mom, I'm gonna do frosted tits," I'm gonna be like, "Yeah, buddy, let's <laughs> get big shot frosted." Yeah, you know, it's like I, I like whatever you want, dude. Like, explore yourself and mm-hmm. figure out life, figure out who you are, because I know my boys are gonna grow up. They're gonna mess up along the way, like God knows, or maybe they'll get in trouble with the law, like I don't know. <laughs> But I'm just going to be there and I'm just going to love them so hard. And I just want them to come home and like, they have a dream on their heart. I'm never going to shut that down. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. how can we actually make this happen? Like, what can I do to help you, to support you, to guide you into making this happen? And I just want them to feel comfortable to talk to me and know that I would never make them feel shame for a dream, for something they want to try. None of that.
0: Do you feel Meg? Because I mean, we're going to dive straight in. We're going straight in. With the, the punch, with the big topics. But do you feel that that belief was strengthened or the passion for letting them be who they are was strengthened because of what you and your boys have been through the past couple of years?
1: Um, I would think so, too. But I really think that that is embedded in me um, from just a young age. Like, I just always knew I was going to be that kind of mom that was like, baby, dream big, and i yep.
0: like,
1: no matter what the heck it is, you know? And I just always, because I wanted that. And so I'm going to love my babies the way that I wanted to be loved, that I desired to be loved. And I will say a lot of the amazing parts of me as a mom comes from my mom because mm-hmm. as strict as she grew up, she has always just had my back. I mean, of course we've butted heads. I mean, that's what mothers and daughters
0: do. That, that's what we do. We're good at that.
1: <laughs> yes, but she, she has seen every part of me and every mistake and just has helped me every step of the way it doesn't matter what it is she'd be like oh you know you're gonna do this okay I got your back what time should I be there what what okay. do you know even if she didn't agree with it she still embraced me in that sense but I think shame come from, came from other family members and like that judgment came from other family mm-hmm. members but like, I was always just working so hard to get their approval on my life. And I'm like, screw that. You know, mm-hmm. you're with me or you're not. You're supporting me or you don't. And I don't want my boys to ever question that support and love and belief that I have for them, no matter what it is.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I do agree. I think one of two things happens when you look back at your childhood and and struggles that you had is you either replicate it with your kids or you break generational curses. Yeah. And we're breaking them, baby. We're breaking chains, baby. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay. So obviously what you're here to talk about and all the challenges you've overcome, divorce is something that so many moms go through. It's incredibly difficult. I know from from the childhood side of things, my parents separated about four or five years ago. And so I've been going through it on the other side. But what would you say were some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome in your own journey and with the divorce in the past couple of years, everything that's been thrown at you?
1: So, gosh, I mean, the biggest challenge hands down was learning to have my kids half the time. And if anybody who's listening to this is just in a situation where like, you know, that that's coming or that's already been talked about and you have all of this fear in the world of how am I going to make it financially? How am I going to have my kids half the time? How am I going to do this or X, Y, Z? Where am I going to go? Just know and trust that it's always going to work out. Like, I had all this fear of of not being able to make it and now be on the other side of it. Like, there's so much good to come, even if you can't see it yet. But learning to have my kids half the time was, like, the most awful thing in the world. And I'm 100% going to cry. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, I always compare it to, like, witching hour. Like, you know, when we have newborns and there's just this hour where they're so <laughs> Like, that was what I felt. Like, I... Just remember, and and a little bit of background like, it's been over a year now, uh, officially divorced, all of that, you know. So, we haven't lived together for again over a year. So, it was about January last year where like things happened and we separated and started working towards a divorce, etc. But it was that witching hour for me. Like, I just remember that hour leading up to when I knew they were going to get picked up. Like, I would just do everything to keep myself together for them. And Granger wasn't even like a year yet. So, you know, he was maybe like eight months, nine months. And then Bo is three.
0: Or and no, to hand off your baby. I mean, any mama would um, struggle.
1: I know. And just to turn, Bo just turned four because he turned four in August and then he'll be five this year. So he was still young. And granted, <laughs> they're so resilient. Kids are so resilient. I think we worry its mothers a lot more than we probably need to because they are. They just are resilient. But any mama knows, like, That bond you have with your baby is just everything, especially that first year. And so you worry of like, well, is he going to be nurtured or is he going to be this or that, you know, and it's, it was a lot of letting go because as moms, we want to control everything. We want to make sure they're safe, make sure they're nurtured, make sure they have everything they need. You know, we're the ones that make the doctor's appointments and, and do everything and Mm -hmm. make sure everything's organized and the bags are packed and they have snacks, you know? And so I was that person in our relationship where like, I did those things for the kids. And I just had to let go and trust that like my ex is a great dad and I just had to let go that the boys had everything they needed and that letting go was so painful and I felt like I was letting them down. But it was that witching hour and the silence, man, when they left, that silence was just so overwhelming and I cannot even you know, begin to express how, mu- how hard it was to pick myself up off the shower and pick myself up off the bed and just keep going knowing that when they got back to me, I needed to be a little bit better. I needed to pour into myself and my self-development when I wasn't with them. I learned to enjoy friends again and go out and have fun and find more parts of me. But like, I I just knew that when they come back, I'm going to be a little bit better. I'm going to be a little bit better because my world just crumbled in all of that.
0: I do think that as moms, actually Dylan's called me out on this as well, Meg, is We think that the system will fall apart without our complete oversight. You know, like we were getting ready to leave for a vacation one time and I was like, I'm so overwhelmed because I have to pack this and I have to pack that. And he's like, you realize I could help, but you (laughs) think it has to be all you. (laughs) That's just a mom thing. I really think it's a mom thing. But I know from speaking with other moms that have gone through what you've been through, that that is the hardest part is I have to give up my kids 50% of the time. I have to relinquish that control. And then hearing the way you said, I'm going to cry with you <laughs> if we keep getting emotional. But just hearing what you say about the silence and imagining that, it it hurts my heart. And I can only imagine how difficult that that part was for you. So there are moms who are listening who are going through painful times in their marriage, maybe going through a divorce themselves already. What advice would you give to a mama who's in the trenches of it right now in a failing relationship or a divorce, anything similar to that?
1: Um, Biggest advice is to just face it head on. Like, don't run from the emotion. Don't run from the pain. Like, you've got to stand up and just cry it out, fight it out, whatever the heck you got to do, do it. Because one of the most valuable things that was said to me was like, Meg, you're going to have to close the door. You're going to have to turn the lights off and you're going to have to face the monster. And I just think that I've never truly done that in my life of just facing it, like facing all of the mistakes I made, how I was hurt, you know, facing depression and anxiety and just looking it straight in its eyes and being like, okay, I'm here, I'm feeling it, you know? like. And I think sometimes you feel so desperate because you want it to go but the only thing that can make it better is time that is literally and i think that that's the most frustrating part too in any healing journey or any rebuilding of relationship or or any of it it's just that the fact that things take time and so if you are in the trenches right now you you've got to close the door you've got to turn the lights off you got to face it head on and I promise you because the only way to get to the other side is by going through it you can't avoid it and if you avoid it and you avoid doing the work and you avoid feeling those emotions it's all coming to backlash and so I was just so committed in that journey of like I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to heal. I don't know when things are going to feel better, when holidays are going to get easier, or if it ever will. You know, I think as you know, having my kids half the time for the rest of my life, I mean, I don't think I'll ever accept the fact that I'm missing out on 50% of their life. That never goes away, but it does get easier. And I just knew by the time I get to that other side, I'm going to be a whole different woman, but I can only do that if I do the work. So when those waves come, like I had a mantra, even, you know, in my labor with Granger that I feel like just carried on into my life after him is just one wave at a time and face Mm -hmm. it and feel it. And if you've got to cry, cry, it doesn't make you bad or any of that to like feel anxious or feel helpless or hopeless, but you, you've got to do it. And I would, I would journal, I would meditate And just take one step forward, even if it doesn't make sense, just keep taking one step forward and feel it all along the way.
0: I think sometimes society tells us that emotions are weak and that irritates the heck out of me because I believe if you can harness them appropriately, emotions make you strong. If you are willing to confront them and talk about that, come on a podcast and talk about the most vulnerable and exposing aspects of your life, but to really face them head on like you're talking about, I think society tells us that's weak to allow ourselves to be so immersed in emotion for that short period of time. But I believe it makes you strong. I tell moms this when it comes to postpartum is... Hey, don't be afraid of those emotions that you're feeling. Talk about them. Tell someone. Open up. Seek out resources. Because if you can face them, that makes you stronger. Even though you feel weak in the moment, like you said, you have to go through that as a mom and you come out stronger on the other side. Every aspect of motherhood will break you and rebuild you over and over and over again. (laughs) Just when you think you got it figured out, it's going to break you again.
1: I think that that is something that's not embraced enough is the asking for help. That was a huge learning curve for me. And I feel like, you know, people are afraid to ask for help. I think they are afraid to show like the deepest parts of them, like even to their partners, you know, and I have learned and granted in the last year too, i I've done therapy. I have the most amazing therapist. Like if you, everyone
0: need- should do therapy. If yeah. you're listening and you've never done therapy, go do <laughs> therapy. <laughs>
1: Yes, it is the most amazing thing in the world. She has helped me so much. But I think, yes, leaning on people, being vulnerable, talking about it. Like, I, too, like, with my social media, I talk about it. Like, don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Like, your story can help other people. But when you have good people in your life that you can lean on, where you can show the most vulnerable parts of you, and for them to still stand there and be with you and sit with you. Like, I think as women and as moms, we have to just... Be strong on our own all the time, but no, we have to learn to delegate, learn to ask for help. And if we need extra help, there's a lot of power in in therapy and just having space, sacred space for you to talk about the things that are on your heart because you matter just as much.
0: Amen. I, yes. Amen to all of that. Seriously. It's so helpful to have that unbiased opinion or even just someone to listen. That is their job is to listen, just let it out. Do you feel like, Meg, outside of that, that you had specific resources, whether it's a book or a podcast or maybe even a like music or a playlist that you leaned on through the hardest part of this, this process to help you through?
1: Yes, I loved Rachel Hollis's I didn't see that coming book.
0: Oh, I mean if we're
1: in the trenches right now. That book was so beautiful. I can't tell you how many times I cried through it. But I'm a person where like, I will hop on, you know, Spotify and just look up, okay, podcast about divorce, get on YouTube, look mm-hmm. up some people who have been through it and who understand what it is that I'm going through. I remember just even <laughs> YouTube being like how to date after divorce, like, <laughs> oh, you know you're ready. You know, it's like, like, there's so much good information out there. And then you'll find what meshes with you because there's plenty of videos. That I'm like, oh, nah, like, I don't like the way like this person's vibe, this doesn't mesh with me. So everyone's going to be a little bit different, but I mean, I can't tell you, I will listen to podcasts that are relatable to the situation, to my hardships, to my struggles in that moment. And the nuggets that you get and you pull from them is amazing. I love in my let's podcast. I love on purpose mm-hmm. uh, podcast. Um, but yeah, from there, Oh gosh, there is one and I can't even remember. Oh, it's like, and something I can't remember um but there was one that was like specifically on divorce and I was like oh this is all relatable it's such good information um but yeah like I would pinpoint what is your struggle point and then start googling it start copying on youtube type it in and then find your own resources because there's so much information out there and knowledge is power but that helps me tremendously to feel less alone so I would play that when I was doing my laundry and just things especially when I was on my own I would have sound going mm-hmm is it made me feel less alone.
0: <laughs> well, and I think that's what us moms need with any struggle we have is more than anything in motherhood, I think we convince we convince ourselves that we're crazy. Anything we have doubts about or that we're upset about or anxious about, I feel like our immediate response in motherhood is no, I must just be crazy. That's how I feel. That's what I hear from a lot of other moms. So if anything, it's just an opportunity to feel less alone, to feel like maybe it's not just me. For example, I've never heard the concept of that witching hour before kids get picked up in a co-parenting situation. But I guarantee you there's a mom who's going to listen to this and be like, oh my gosh, I have a witching hour. It is awful right before they get picked up. And they're going to connect with that. And by the way, I will put her Instagram handle in the podcast description like I always do. And so you all are welcome to message her. Meg's amazing. But it's those little nuggets, like you said, that just reassure you, okay, it's not just me. And maybe that's all they take from it is it's not just me and that's okay. <laughs> but that That's super helpful. And any resources that she lists as well, everyone, I will try and link in the podcast description because I know convenience is key and you can go grab those and utilize those in your own life. So Meg, looking back at, at this process, How has motherhood changed when you have your boys and that precious time that I know you don't take a single second for granted, but how has mother changed, motherhood changed for you going from the partnership that is marriage to essentially having a single mom role and having to lean on a little bit more help with the boys?
1: Yeah. So it's been a learning curve for me and you know it's different. I just talked about this on uh, my story the other day of how when you're like a single mom, like everything's on you, like all of it's on you. You don't have a moment where you don't feel that pressure of like taking care of them or amusing them or playing with them or whatever. Like you just don't have a partner to be like. I can't come home and be like, oh hey, okay, I'm gonna take a hot shower now, like you know, you guys got five minutes. Yeah. It just does. And now maybe, maybe though, like if I was better at asking for help, (laughs) it would be like, you know, a couple of things, like one, it's hard because you're always on. And I just feel a new sense of pressure, but I also feel like time is so precious with them. And so when I have them, it is the best thing ever. Like, I just love it because I can be more intentful about my time with them. Now it's a little bit harder because, you know, there's times where I still got to get a little bit of work done or, you know, I got to get laundry and balance chores while also my kids are just destroying the house and I'm trying to clean it up. You know, like there's things in that way. Um, But my time with them is just so valuable. And so I try to be so present and all there. I think it's very easy, whether, you know, you're married or not married, where we're so on the go, you know, and Mm -hmm. and have work to do and laundry to do, take care of the house. It's like, when was the last time you just got on the ground and played with your kids? Yes,
0: Meg. Yes. Preach.
1: (laughs) Did something that they wanted to do. Slow
0: down, mama
1: because yes, a lot of times too if like your kids acting out, you know, I always realize that when Bo is having more tantrums, it's because I'm not being as present of a mom because I'm okay. too on the go or I'm too thinking about the next thing I've got to get done. And yes, there's like yep. validity in that. But also it's like when I slow down and I play with him, I'm the best thing ever to him, you know? <laughs> and so it's like slow down, be present, get on the floor, play with your kids. But when I get home from work, like It is two hours of just them. Like, I am not doing anything else until those kids get to bed, and then I can get done, you know, chores or laundry Mm -hmm. or work or whatever it is. Like it is about them. But I do know that I can be even more intentful with my time with them. But I just think when you have your kids 50% of the time, it's just way more precious. And so you try to do the best you can to just be all there to soak them up. Because I swear these kids come back and I'm like, well, how did you grow? They're I mean, bigger. we <laughs> are bigger. And you're doing this now. And it's just like, oh my gosh. And it's also, I got to say the best thing ever, and this goes to any mama, but like when I go those longer stretches where I don't have them for five days, cause you know, he has them through the weekend and then I get them back Wednesday the first time, cause I get them back tonight and I'm so excited. But the first time like I get to them, Bo runs out cause he sees my car in the, in the driveway. And so he, he gets me, he's like, mom. And then Granger comes around the corner and Granger's Aww. a and a half. So he'll be two in May, but he'll be like, mom. And they just bear hug me, man. And I'm like, this is what life is about. And I'm going to do everything I can to just
0: give you guys the best freaking life ever. (laughs) It's the best feeling. It's so validating. Just that moment. It's validating that those five days, they got what they needed. They were taken care of. And now it gets to be mom's time again and everything is okay.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I love it so much. They're my heart, man.
0: So with any mom, I think balance is a balance, right? That word is something that is so tough. And this falls in line with what you're saying, but what are strategies that you use knowing that your time is precious and can feel limited? What do you use to balance your work responsibilities with life and home management and time with them? What strategies do you use to hold you accountable? Because I know it's easy to say we want to be more present. We want to have better intent, but then everything gets away from us. So what do you do to call yourself out on that?
1: So definitely like planning ahead and looking at your week at a full, I think that that just gives you like a bird's eye view of like, okay, well, what do I have to accomplish in the week? And when do I have my kids and what's going on when, you know, they have soccer practice on Thursday nights and just all of this stuff. Cause um, so I think that there's a lot of moving parts, but what I've learned is like, no matter what it is that you're doing, yes, have a plan. Yes. Be organized. So that way you can be more time efficient. But be where your feet are. There is no balance. I mean, sometimes work's going to need you a little bit more. Sometimes motherhood's going to need you a little bit more. You know, sometimes anything, any area of your life. And if you're in a relationship, it's going to need you a little bit more. If you're working on things and making things better, like, something's always going to be pulling you a little bit more. There is no balance. Mm -hmm. But I have learned that if you are present and you just are where your feet are. So if you're at work, be at work, be all there, help your customers, do what you have to do to make it the best experience ever, right? If you are, you know, being a mom, get on the floor, play with your kids, be all there with your kids. Don't worry about the to-do list and the laundry and all the other chores that we have to get done. Just be all there if that's what you're doing. If you're sleeping, be all there, (laughs) Rest, relax. Like, don't go through the list in your head of everything you need to get done the next day. It's
0: we like- laugh, but that's also one of the most <laughs> difficult ones. I, feel I know,
1: like. <laughs> I know. Believe me, I get it. But it's like, if, if you just are where your feet are, you will feel, you will fill your buckets up more. And also the buckets of your kids, the buckets of your relationship, the buckets of your loved ones or your work, your coworkers. If you are all there, they feel that. And then you feel that. And even if I had 20 minutes with my kids that night and I'm all there, man, I can walk away from that knowing that I was all there, you know, mm-hmm. and then I'm all there at the next thing that I have to do. So I just think, We're there, but we're not actually there. And so then we feel like we're on this hamster wheel and then we're we're constantly go, go, going and we're getting nothing done. Mm -hmm. When in reality, we're just not being present enough. But if we could learn to be present enough, we could have some like grounding techniques like taking 10 deep belly breaths or you know, really shifting, like having something you do before you shift. Maybe you get a glass of water and be like, okay, I'm shifting to mom mode, or you know, maybe you put on a song, or maybe you just take a breath or sit in silence or have two minutes to yourself and be like, okay, I'm shifting to Mm wife mode or girlfriend mode. It's like, okay, that allows you to just be where your feet are.
0: Absolutely. You know, Meg, when I work with moms one-on-one, I will put that on a daily checklist for them. So they have to report back that maybe it's 10 or 15 minutes. Hey, you set a timer. And for those 10 or 15 minutes, you, you aren't walking around the house, picking things up. You're not trying to switch over laundry or do dishes while you help with homework for 10 to 15 minutes, every single evening, or maybe it's in the morning you're setting a timer and you are all in on your kids. And until that timer goes off, you do nothing else. Because as moms, we need that accountability until we can solidify that in our brain of, hey, it's okay to do that. And honestly, like you said, you feel more accomplished at the end of your day because instead of being 50% at every single thing that you did for those, whatever, 12 plus hours that you're awake, you were hundred percent here for 15 minutes. And then you were hundred percent where else, you know, in another area that you needed to be for 30 minutes and being able to just be where your feet are, like you're saying helps you feel more accomplished. And in
1: the end too, you're going to get more positive feedback, more positive feedback Mm -hmm. from kids and like their emotions their ability to communicate with you. You're going to get more positive feedback from your relationship, from work, mm-hmm. people. like you're just going to get that positive feedback. Like people feel that people feel that you are all there. It's like having a conversation with somebody. If I was having a conversation and they were on their phone, like mm-hmm. it's really important to you. And like our kids are going to feel that too. So you've got to yep. learn to be all there and you're not going to be perfect in it. <laughs> like you're not going to be perfect in it. And I still have very imperfect moments from like. Nope. My- Oh, I gotta get XYZ's on, and I'm like, hold on, Bo. Like, wait one second, you know. So you're not gonna be perfect, but if we can, like you said, like build it into our brains and just learn how to do it, we are gonna feel a lot better mm-hmm. at the, end of the day.
0: Have you seen those videos where they? It's it's a side by side video of a parent. They go about all these daily tasks with a phone in their hand with their kid, and then they go about the tasks again being present. The look on the kids, I have chills right now. The look on the child's face. Just by getting more attention, getting eye contact, getting active play, that wasn't enough for me to be like, okay, call yourself the heck out, Elena, and get off your dang phone when your kids are awake, because that is the impression you're giving them. It was so impactful.
1: It was. I just saw a reel, too, of like every day, like hold your kid's face like on side by side and just Mm -hmm. and I think that that has such a way of making them feel fully seen and fully heard, because Mm -hmm. I think as humans, the greatest gift we could give anybody in our life is just allowing them to feel fully seen and fully heard. And if they don't, then they grow up believing that they're not enough. They grow up believing they aren't worthy. They grow up believing they're not beautiful enough or whatever it is. And it's like, our kids become who we are and how we act, how we behave becomes who they are. And it also has a major impact on the beliefs they have about themselves. So it's a beautiful burden to understand that like those thoughts we have, how we speak, how we communicate, also our relationships, you know, lead by example for our kids, you know, in the end, you know, Mm -hmm. even just going back to divorce, like it is much better that, you know, my ex and I aren't together. And it gives the kids the opportunity to see us in a healthy way, but also to Mm -hmm. see my ex in an awesome relationship and me in an awesome relationship where they're like, wow, like, That is amazing. And that's how a healthy relationship should look like. So even if you're in the trenches, like giving your kids the opportunity to like chase after a love that we believe they're worthy of, like all of it, everything. We lead by example in every way.
0: Even letting them witness a healthy co-parenting relationship, Meg, I think is so impactful. And just to see what that looks like to go through a hard experience and come out better on the other side and work on self-improvement and do that with a healthy relationship, I think is really important. But you said something that is an amazing transition as well. And you talked about how important it is for our kids to feel seen and heard and understood. And I think it's important definitely for the children in any situation, going through a divorce, going through any type of strain in relationships with their mom or dad. What about... For the mom going through it, the dad going through it. I like to ask moms who have been through things like this, what do you wish you had in that moment? You know, whether it was a gift or something specific people say, or just any kind of gesture, because I think sometimes we see a fellow sister struggling, but we don't know what to do and sometimes we do the wrong thing because we're just trying and it comes off with, you know, the wrong message. But what would you say to anyone listening who has a friend, a sister, you know, anyone that they love going through this? What can they do for them that means the most?
1: I mean. It was really amazing how people, I'm not a huge gift person, like that isn't my love language. I think my love language is more like words of affirmation and like physical touch, but It was so amazing because even you, like you left a rainbow (laughs) necklace on my desk with the sweetest letter and like people left books and people just Mm -hmm. wrote such kind words and people knew I felt off and they just checked in and they're like, Hey, you know, like, I I don't know what's going on, but Mm -hmm. one person like even invited me to church can come back. And it was just, you know, if you see somebody who's struggling just a kind gesture of like, whether that's like a $5 gift card to Starbucks or whether that's like a more genuine gift and giving them a book that maybe helped you through a really hard time, like with some kind words, like that goes such a long way in understanding that you're not alone and that people see you and people also see so much good in you that they don't want you to feel alone in that because mm-hmm. not doing anything isn't helping anybody. And I think that that's a little bit of like the, the bystander effect of like, Oh, somebody else has got it. Somebody else (laughs) them, or I don't have anything valuable to say because I haven't been through it. It's like, no, like whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is, to be honest. I think whether it's like a note and kind words, a quick text saying, I'm grateful for you, a little gift that could go a long way. It's just the fact that I didn't feel alone and people saw that like I was going through one of the hardest times in my life, but still saw me for me that I was good, that I was strong, that I was worthy, and that I was going to get through it. So I don't think it really matters what it is. I just think it's the thought above anything that matters the most.
0: Meg, I know when you were in the thick of it, things that we talked about the most was how how much more resilient you were than you even realized and how much more resilient your kids were than you even realized. And you even brought that up once already on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Now that you're through the worst of it, you're coming out on the other side, healing, strengthening, finding a new normal again. What do the words strength and resilience mean to you now? Because I know what they meant to you when you were in the trenches, but what about now looking back?
1: Yeah, you know, I think those words were something I just held on to because I knew better days were coming even if I couldn't see them. But now it just means you don't give up. I mean, I can't even tell you. Now I feel like I I think of grit more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like all just ties in beautifully, ties in resiliency and strength together. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, I was going through the hardest time of my life, man, and I still showed up to work. I still gave it my best. I still did my best when I poured in my people. I wasn't perfect, but I still did my best for my kids. And I also think grit, and strength and, and, you know, courage and all that, you know, I, I didn't hide emotions from my kids, you know, like if I was genuinely sad, I would cry. And Bo is just an angel, man. He is the uh, best. Friend. And he just, mommy don't cry. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, what's wrong? Or why are you sad? You know? And, and of course I would keep it to like something he could mm-hmm. understand you know, of like, you know what, buddy, mommy, mommy is just sad. You know, things are just, hard right now but I'm gonna be okay but it's okay to be sad buddy like it's okay to cry Mm -hmm. and I just think that it means just not giving up no matter what it means showing up every day no matter what it looks like how you crumble I mean man you just fight so freaking hard to get yourself out of that place every day and To me, like that takes grit, that takes strength, that takes everything in you sometimes. It takes just a centimeter of a step forward. And if that's all I had today, that was okay. Because I made it through another day and I knew I was one day closer to feeling peace. And what's crazy is like, even in the midst of all of that, you know, it's the work that you do in yourself. It's listening to the podcast, it's it's reading the books, it's moving your body, it's eating healthy, it's drinking your water and you know, I just woke up one day and I just felt peace. Nothing specific happened, but I think it was because I didn't give up. I showed up every day. I got better. I had hard conversations. I asked for help. I got into therapy. I was just doing the things I needed to do, not seeing this end result, but knowing that if I just go all in on me and trust enough, I was gonna get there. And I woke up one day and I just had more peace. I had more peace in our new systems and when I had the boys and just being all there I had more peace and things just ended and I you know I lost my home I lost my dogs there was a lot that I lost in in all of that transition and it makes me sad but I have peace in it you know and I think too you you I think too, and I, we can get into this, but you know, something I struggled too is like, you know, who's going to take me? Like I'm a mess. I have two kids that are young. I was like, who in the world? in in all of this is going to take me. And I met the most amazing man. And I mean, the most amazing man
0: who just, but met- you couldn't even imagine that when you were in the middle of the storm, that's no. the good <laughs> reminder to any mom listening. Who's in the storm is there's something out there that right now you can't even fathom, but it's out there.
1: Yeah. And I think too, it's because we're so hard on ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. like what would be acting up? And then Granger's just having a tantrum and I am in my mess and in the midst of my healing journey. And I'm like, who in the world <laughs> is going to want this and choose this when they could find uh, a beautiful girl that doesn't have kids yet and all the XYZs, you know, and he just met me in my storm. And he was just so good to me. And he's so good to my boys. And he gives me all the space in the world to heal, to talk about my emotions. Like, I mean, man, the things you think are not possible for you are. And I'm still working towards things. I'm nowhere near where I want to be, like in every area of my life. But there's so much good to come. And I never would have had the opportunity to meet my boyfriend and to have him in my life and his daughter in my life and the kids like, you know without having experienced the trenches, you know, you can't have joy and wins and awesome moments and good things to happen to you without also experiencing the trenches and the sorrow and the loss. You know, I'm a big believer that you can lose a lot of things, but there's so much good to come if we choose to give purpose to our pain.
0: And you can't, in my opinion, I believe that you shouldn't stand in the trenches and compare where you're at to that vision of your dream life that is not fair to you. I honestly believe it's not fair to us when we're in the middle of a storm to think that that's the expectation. But I always tell mamas, "Hey, if you only have 30% to give today and you gave 30%, remember that you gave 100%." That's mm-hmm. how that works. And it's those little things day after day so that then you can look back one day, Meg, just like you did and be like, "Holy Toledo, I did it." <laughs> I did it and I found joy and it, it it's hard to gauge when that moment will happen. The path to that moment is very, very difficult, but Like I said, any mama who's listening, don't focus on the end goal, Let wipe that out, release expectations for just a little bit and just focus on that 30% that you have to give today and give all of it and then go to sleep and wake up and give whatever you've got the next day too. And it will start to add up. Those small wins are actually the big things.
1: Yeah. That's all I had in me. Sometimes that day was like, I just have to get through today. That's all I've got is this moment. And if Mm -hmm. I can get through this moment, I know I'm just, I just know it. I know I'm going to get somewhere amazing and I'm still working mm-hmm. towards somewhere amazing. And honestly, I'm so excited for the future, for my children. Like I am just so excited because the dreams I had in my heart, I couldn't get there in the situation that I was in. And now I have every opportunity to get there. Mm-hmm. Whatever dreams are on your heart, like it doesn't matter if you're a single parent or not, like you will get there if you're just willing to get through today and make the most of today and give it all you got.
0: Meg, when it comes to taking care of yourself, especially let's think about the days when you have the boys and you're just crushing single mom role, what does self-care look like on those days <laughs> in the chaos?
1: My, oh man, I love, love, love my nightly routine. I mean, I just feel like I'm a person I wake up, I'm ready to go. Like I don't have this whole sacred morning routine or nor do I get like my workout done first thing in the morning. I It's kind of been more the evening time for me and- but my nightly routine, like when I get my kids down and the silence of, like, okay, they're peacefully asleep. That is when I fill my cup up, man. I will go, I'll take a hot shower. I take my nighttime supplements. I like to journal, get my thoughts out on paper. I'll think of things I'm grateful for. And then I'll also like meditate or visualize there too, um, just to clear my head or, or think about the future and give myself that space to just relax and just be present with me. Because I think we give, 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 give all day. And I think it's amazing. Have a morning routine. Like if that's your jam, have a morning routine. So that way you can show up better throughout the day. Day, love it. Awesome. But for me, it's I give all day and now I decompress is like major for me. And so when I get those kiddos down, I'm like, I take a whoosa break. I take a, a woosa. And I am just like, okay, time to fill up my cup up so mm-hmm. then I can wake up tomorrow feeling a lot better versus like burnt out, getting extra chores done, doing all the things after the kids go to bed, which sometimes, you know, there are things yep. I have to do. But that doesn't take away from my nightly routine. If I still got to get a couple of things done, I will get a couple of things done. But then I do my nightly routine and I am just present with myself. And I think when you have an outlet to ground yourself, whether it's morning or night, it makes all the difference in the world in the way that you show up on a day-to-day basis.
0: And I love that you emphasize that can be morning or night. I think it's very (laughs) glamorized in the motherhood space to wake up before your kids, right? That's what they say. Wake up before your kids and spend that time alone. And I love that. And there's a lot of moms that works really, really great for. In this season of life, I struggle with that because... Carter starts his day at 4 a.m. So, do (laughs) I wake up at three? Like, I'm trying to figure this out. Do I have to wake up at three? You know, and I, I know there's a lot of moms who maybe they find that doesn't work for them and then they give up hope on finding any type of routine or anything that works for them. So, If you're listening, it doesn't have to be at four or five in the morning, it can be after bedtime, it could be 10 minutes, it could be an hour. But find that time for you.
1: (laughs) I think we just see, and then we care, we like compare ourselves so much to other people. Yes, think that because that person has had success. Like, I have to get up Mm -hmm. at 5 a.m. every single day and do like all the things they're doing. It's like, no, you don't, you got to find what works best for you and so yeah i just think that a lot of people think they have to do all that and to me i've tried it i've tried waking up and like then trying to journal or read i'm like i need to just wake up i'm my kid i wake my kids up and then it takes them like 20 30 minutes like it's a process in them waking up and getting up once i get going i'm good but I'm like, so at nighttime, that's where I'm still like somewhat alert. I can be present in my reading, I can be present in my journaling and in my gratitude and all of that. Like that is just where I feel good. I also will say by the time I get up, get going, get my kids to daycare, and then I get here, um, you know, I start working or whatever, like I will even then, like if I feel my brain or I feel very anxious, I'll sit and journal. I bring my journal yep. every me. So like I will sit in journal because sometimes just a brain dump and then writing down three things you're grateful for makes all the world and difference in the rest of the day. But at nighttime, I'm just good to go. My brain's still firing. And so I'm like, okay, this is where I'm going to be intentional about pouring back into me because I cannot wake up first thing in the morning and read. I will never remember <laughs> what the heck I just read. I'll like reread the sentence like 10 yep. times. My brain's just not firing yet.
0: <laughs> no, you have to do what works for you. You have to. Yes. But Meg, okay, you know how much I appreciate you. You know how helpful this is for the mama. I know that you're not so far removed from your experience that you remember how painful it is, how hard it is, how each day can drag on and getting out of bed sometimes is all that you can muster. And there's a mama listening who got to feel less alone today. And you got to do that for her, just like all those podcasts did for you. And so we appreciate you. It means the world to me. You are a dear friend of mine, and I know you saved my butt in so many different ways just with helping me out through the chaos of my postpartum journey. But before I let you go today, I just want to give you an opportunity with everything you've been through. There's a lot of mamas listening who are struggling. There's a lot of mamas who are in a difficult chapter, and it may not be divorce. It may not be single parenthood, but they're in a season that they just feel like it's never going to end. What message would you leave with moms working overtime today for any of those mamas?
1: Mm. My biggest thing is like, even though you're a mom and you have all these things going on, find out who you are and what you want. Like, put away, you know, the 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 chores, the roles you have in your life that are very important to you, the job, the everything like, who are you and what do you want for your life? Because I think in the midst of go, go, go and being a mama, we tend to lose who we are. And then we get so lost in the day to day that then we feel like we're just running ourselves into the ground. And then we find ourselves in a rut. We find ourselves struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression. But I just think we get out of alignment with like who we are. Like you matter so much Just as a woman, just as an individual listening to this outside of your mother role, outside of your significant other role and your job and your career, like you matter. And I think when we take care of everything else, we forget that we matter too. So I would say, find out who you are, figure out what you want for your life Get a plan going to start making that happen and understand that you can do that. You can follow your dreams, follow your heart, no matter how big and scary they are, while also being an amazing mother and an amazing significant other and taking care of all the things. You're not going to be perfect. None of us are going to be perfect. But I think if I could leave you with anything, it's just like find out who you are. If you're anxious or or there's things on your heart or life feels up heavy, maybe you're just out of alignment. But maybe you also don't have a clear picture of who you are and what you want for
0: you outside of everything else. That's perfect. I love it, Meg. Mamas that are listening... You can connect with Meg on Instagram. Again, I'll drop her handle in the chat. Please feel free to message her if you're going through something similar, if you want her advice, if you want a book recommendation from her, anything like that, send her a message. She's also in the mom's working overtime Facebook community. If you're not a member of that yet, the link is also in every single podcast description. Join in and you can have a conversation with her in there as well. But Mamas, more than anything, the reminder that you get every single time you come listen to the podcast that I hope you get in your day to day life every single day is no matter what is going on, no matter how difficult this season might be, no matter how heavy the burdens might feel or how stormy this feels, you're doing an amazing job. You need that reminder. You have to have that reminder every single day that you're doing an amazing job and you were perfectly designed for this role for your children. We'll talk soon. If you loved this episode of moms working overtime, do me a favor, share it on social media or send it to another mom to remind her that you love her and that she's doing such an amazing job. There's nothing more incredible that we can do in this community than remind other mamas of their strength. I'm so glad you were here today and just know that I appreciate you an overtime amount.